Welcome to Faith Church Online. Thank you so much for checking us out. Our prayer is that you are blessed by this message. This morning, so for the next uh, four weeks, we're just going to talk about some of the building blocks of um, our our Christian faith. So um, next week, Ben's going to talk on heaven and hell. So I I delegated that one straight to him. Um, And uh, who likes hearing Ben speak? He's already doing his study. By the way, they're having a baby. Can I say that publicly? 15 weeks. 16 weeks now. Woohoo! He's just clearing the chimney so the stork can land. Um, so uh, I'm going to talk about faith this morning and um, just share some of my thoughts. You know, faith... Um, oh, hang on. Start on the right page. Faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. You know, I think faith is the most, one of the most exciting things about humanity is that somewhere in our DNA and our makeup, we have faith. Regardless if we are a Christian, a Muslim, a Hindu, or not an atheist, so all of us have faith. All of us have this ability to dream and to believe in something. You know, we all know the story, I have a dream. We've got a picture for that. Martin Luther King, you know, he had a dream. He had a dream for uh, the black community uh, to be restored back to its rightful place within society and for rights for black people. And, you know, he 100% gave his life to it. And, it. and a lot of people said he was crazy. A lot of people said it would never happen. And if we look what's happened over time where race relationships have improved and we had Obama, a black president in America, but he had a dream, but he, had to, he spoke from a place of faith before he even saw it. So faith, faith is a powerful thing, but someone else had a, had a faith. Let's look at the next picture. This guy had a faith. He had a faith, but a faith that was a destructive faith. He believed in an Aryan race. He believed in, in, in wiping out certain parts of society so that he could have a pure race. He still had a faith. He still had a strong faith, but his faith was in something Wrong, you can take him down, don't leave him up there too much longer. Uh, I've never met the guy or from that generation, but he still brings creeps to me. But the thing is, uh, you can have faith. So often when we think about faith, we, we, um, in our world, we just think about faith in Christianity. But we've all got faith and we have a choice to put our faith in something that will build humanity or destroy humanity. We have a choice to put faith in something that will bring God's love to the world or will God take God's love away from the world. Amen. And I think uh, there's some things in our, in our world, or things in our lives that shape our, our, our faith, shape our, our actions around faith and shape our expression of faith. And um, here's just four of them that we're going to talk about this morning. Um, your background, where you've come from, where you've been, where you were raised, what culture you were raised in, what part of the world you were raised in will shape your expression of faith, your motivation whether it's for good or for evil, or whether it's for self-gain or whatever, your motivations will shape your expression of faith. Your relationships, who is in your world will influence whether you admit it or not admit it. Whoever's in your world will influence how you express your faith, how, what faith steps you take by, by the people that are around you and talking into your ears. And wisdom. I think wisdom often shapes the, out, the outcome of faith or the decisions we make around faith. So let's start with with your background. Um, I was born in 1975 uh, into a small village called Seven Beach of about 4,000 people. And uh, mom and dad 
well, basically, every Sunday morning, this minibus used to come up our street. And um, so my sister used to jump on this minibus and go off to this thing called Sunday school. And uh, one day I became old enough to go. So I got thrown out the door to go on the minibus to Sunday school. And it started my faith journey. It started my journey of going to a small little chapel. And we used to go to literally a large shed at the back. So it's pretty bit worse than our warehouse, to be honest. And I would sit and Carl Miller would tell me Bible stories. And eventually my mum became a Christian. And then when I was about 10, my dad became a Christian. You know, so I was lucky that I was brought up in, in a family where, where, my, my, um, where faith was always there. Even though mum and dad weren't regularly attending church, we always prayed before we went to bed. It was part of our background, part of our faith became about who we were. Proverbs 22.6 says, start your children off on the way they should go. And, in, and, and when they are old, they will not turn from you. You know, Proverbs is talking about the fact that how we raise our kids. You know, how you raise your kids will shape what they do in the future. You know, I'm so thankful that my faith is shaped by the fact that my mum and dad brought me up in a Christian environment. Um, because if they hadn't, if you know my background, I, I didn't do very well at school. I ended up in a special needs class and ended up being in trouble and all that kind of stuff. But the core of who I was was this thing called faith. It was this core that I just knew God believed in me. And it didn't really matter what the world said about me or what the academic system about it. My mum and dad says, God believes in you. So I grabbed those promises for my life by faith. Does that make sense? So I think as well as, you know, one thing to remember is if... You know, I was lucky that I was brought up in a Christian environment, Christian family and, and um, you know, Christian youth club and all that kind of stuff. But if you become a Christian later on in life, you need to go and find yourself a family. You need to go and find someone that in your world that can be your Christian mum and dad. Uh, and, I, and I think it, you almost have to admit to yourself is I'm still a child of faith. I see some Christians that get saved and they, when they get saved, they, 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 they act like a 25-year-old Christian, but really they are a 25-year-old Christian, but a five-minute faith person. Does that make sense? So if you are a new Christian here or, or new in the faith, my wisdom I would say to you, you need to go and find a mom and dad. And not a biological mum and dad. You need to go and find a life group mum and dad or a connect group mum and dad or a, a whatever, a small group or someone that you can have coffee with so that they can talk to you about faith and shape the faith that's with inside of you uh, and help you catch up to where your age is. The most peop the people that, are, that have been become Christians, like my dad was, well, he was probably in his late 30s when he became a Christian. And um, he had a guy... Uh, in, in our church that literally just took him under his wing. And every Thursday, they would go to the pub. Um, he knew where my dad would talk, and that was down the pub. So they went to the pub. And he just reinstalled all the stuff that my dad kind of knew from when he was a little boy, but filled in the gaps of his faith journey. And my dad, you know, my dad ended up be, being a strong man of faith that would take youth groups on missions trips and open up our house. But that became because he acknowledged that, okay, he might have been in his late 30s, but his faith was small like a child. So therefore, he found himself a father of a guy that was the same age as him that had been a Christian so much longer and said, speak into my life. And it shaped him. So I just encourage you, if you're here, go and find yourself a faith mum and dad because... It's so easy for new Christians and, and um, 
you, you can make, you can be so enthusiastic about God, so enthusiastic about it, but because you haven't had the depths of the relationships of walking with God, you can make steps of faith, which you call faith, which actually are pretty stupid. So the thing about having wise people in your life, they help you shape your ability to listen to God. Because to have, uh, to have strong faith needs to have a listening ear to God. So you need to have those people in your world that would develop that. Amen. Your motivations. You know, whatever faith step you take, um, however big or however small, is, is motivated by, by, by your motivations. Uh, and uh, if your motivations aren't in line with God's motivations... You can end up looking pretty stupid. I've done a couple of steps of what I would call faith, uh, and they were done out of selfish motives, but I made them sound spiritual, um, and I did them when I fell flat on my face. When I surrendered my will to God's will, and God said, do things, then the crazy starts happening. So the reason, you know, that we could go to Bible college with no money and just step out in faith is because that the motive that inside of me was driving me to go to Bible college was a motive that God put inside of me to do it. Does that make sense? And I delighted in the things of God, and the things of God made me do things of faith to follow God. And, you know, if, if you can submit your will to God and say, God, I trust you. Like what Will's doing when he's going to university, you know? What was it? What was the other uni got of? Oxford or Cambridge? Durham. Durham. Well, anyway, it was the top university in the country for what you're doing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, they think they are. They haven't met me, so. So he had a choice to go to the top university for the course he wants to study, or to go to Birmingham. But because he's aligned his motivation with God, that, to me, that's a step of faith. That's an academic step of faith, you know. He could have been motivated by, well, I'm just going to get a good degree, and then when I finish, then I can do what God's called me to do. and all that. But there's something inside of him, because his motivations are aligned with God, that he was able to turn down a perfectly good option to follow a second option. And, and I, I know when you do those kind of things, God is on the other side of that option that makes it supernatural. You know, our choice to go to New Zealand, you know, was motivated, you know, uh, like partly by we wanted to change and we wanted to be, but there was something inside of me that said there's something of God in this. I remember stepping off the plane in Auckland International and you have to walk from one side, you have to walk from the international airport to the domestic airport to catch the plane down to Wellington. I remember getting off the plane and we went outside and we said, we'll walk across because we've been sat on a plane for 28 hours. And I remember, like, God, nobody knows me here. So this is kind of the reset button for me. They don't know all the things I've done wrong. They don't know all the things. But I said, God, this season is about you. I changed my motivation from being about me to being about God. And it started the whole long, crazy journey of things of faith of following in God. Because I chose to submit my motivations and take on God's motivations. And then the crazy opened up in faith. If you're not seeing God do those crazy things in your life, maybe you need to examine your motivations. Maybe you need to examine your heart and reset it back to God. You know, stepping out in faith without God's motivation is like running into an onset of 
army. You know, like in the second, in the First World War, you know, you see the guys gapping over the trenches and they run towards the enemy. Uh, Christians do that and they call it faith and they wonder why they get gunned down. Um, if you get your motivations right and you pray, it's like going over the trenches and somehow God supernaturally protects you as you run towards the enemy. I love the story of when Peter walked on water. One, because I like surfing and one, because it's just cool. But I love the fact that Peter's there. And it's like, Jesus, if that's you, I'm going to come after you. Jesus, Peter's motivation was he just wanted to go and be with Jesus. That was his 100%. He's out there. I want to be with him. I want to, I want to join in this moment. So he, he walks out onto the water and he gets halfway and he loses his faith and he starts to sink. And Jesus reaches down and picks him up and says, you a little faith. But I think because his motivation was right, God, Jesus wasn't condemning him. He was understanding that, okay, we are human and sometimes we doubt, but I have the grace to pick you up. If your motivation's right, when you step out in faith, when it goes wrong, God just goes down and picks you up. But if you're running on your own, there's something about removing yourself from the grace of God. And God's like, you should have just asked. But when you reset your heart towards God, God has the grace to come back and pick you up. Galatians 6, 7, 8 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever Whatever one sows, that's what he also reaps. For the one who sows is his own flesh will uh, from, from the, of his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will will from the spirit reap eternal life. You know, when your motivations are set towards the face of Christ, you're sowing from Christ's point of view, so you'll receive. When you're sowing from your point of perspective, you can only receive back in the flesh. I want to make sure I'm always receiving and sowing supernaturally into this world. God knows your heart, so you can't deceive him. You know, God doesn't really, not really interested in spiritual talk. You can talk as much as you want spiritually to God, but God knows your heart. God knows your motives. Um, I feel Parker was, you know, if you've ever been to one of our prayer meetings before church, you should hear a Mike Parker pray. Um, talk about simple, but um, it's not spiritual, but it's something unique about it. It's, well, he talked the other day about a punctured tire or something. I was like, what is he on? But he talks with such a pure heart that you can hear God in it. You know, there's no, there's nothing, there's no jargon in it. When, or Brian, the times that I've heard Brian, you know, when Brian's prayed, it's just, a, it's just from heaven. Because it's not wrapped up in any of them. It's like, God, love you, do this. God can get behind people of those that have that motivation. Your relationships. You know, uh, you know we, need to we need to make sure that we have people in our world that are speaking into our worlds that have a strong relationship with God. When I was in New Zealand and I um, rang some friends to say, back here in the UK, to say that I was quitting my job um, I was working in a private hospital at the time, earning shed loads of money, and things were going really well, and it was looking like they were going to give me my own hospital to manage, and my career path was going really well, but God clearly said to me and Helen that we should give it all up and go to Bible college, and um, so being wise, we shared that story with people, um, not because, you know, it was a big thing, so we shared it with the people in our world, and I remember sharing it with some people back here, and they're like, Mike, you'd be the worst pastor ever. Uh, people, most of these were the people I worked with in A&E. They're like, you're far too blunt. <laughs> you're just PR people how it is. You'll never, you know, you'll never raise a church, you know. The one thing that you're good at, Mike, is trauma nursing. 
because you're so unemotional, so you just get on with it. And, and they said things that made complete sense, but they didn't make complete sense because they weren't from God. So I had to choose in that time to silence certain verse voices in my head and, and seek the people that knew me well and I knew knew God well and allow them to speak in and to confirm my step of faith. And they said things like, Mike, yes, I really think you, know, you should go to Bible college. This is a really good thing, but you need to think about your finances. You need to think about this. You need to think about that. So they brought wisdom to me that's framed my step of faith but didn't stop it. Does that make sense? I remember talking to my dad and my dad was like, you know, my dad was brought up in poverty and he's like, you know, just 100% if you want to go to Bible college, that's cool. But just go and think about how you're going to support the family. Tell me you've prayed about it. Tell me you've thought about it. And if this what you think is right, you do it. That's wisdom. It wasn't no. It was just like able me to process it and put structures and things around it. You know, and then, and then I was able to see the faith gaps that I needed to pray stronger into. Isaiah 64, 8 says, Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are clay and you are the potter. We are all the works of your hand. Who's ever had a massage from Bill? Probably everybody. Just put your hand up. It's safer. Because if you don't, he's coming after you. <laughs> That's normally what happens. If you ever had a massage from Bill, it's not kind of calming dolphin sounds led on a a comfy thing with like a pina colada or all that. It's, it's basically someone going at you with a sledgehammer. And if you tell him it hurts, he's like, oh, good. And he goes even more where it hurts. Um, uh, so it's basically like he treats you like nicely like a piece of steak and tenderizes you. But what he does through tenderizing you is, is he releases things in your muscles and all that kind of stuff, and suddenly you end up to move freely. I think sometimes we want God to shape our faith, to shape our journey, but we don't want to be tenderized by him. We don't want to be that piece of clay on that potter's wheel that gets molded, that gets squashed, gets formed. We want it to be all sweet and love and happiness. Well, living by faith and taking steps of faith is allowing God to mold me, to shape me, to put me into painful situations, to, to put me into situations where I'm like, God, this doesn't add up. Uh, I stepped out in faith and now I'm, I'm having to pray for things. Because I thought when I stepped out in faith that, you know, seagulls from heaven would land with checks in their feet and say, hoo, hoo, here are Mike, paid a, paid a mortgage. You know, that kind of supernatural stuff, you know. Uh, but sometimes it doesn't happen like that. Sometimes, you know, God takes me into a relationship where he's like, well, Mike, you're going to have to work three night shifts a week and do Bible college to get through this season. Hang on. I'm living by faith. So why do I have to do the three night shift thing? Because you know, God's like, no, I want to build capacity in your life. Because when you become a pastor, you're never going to finish work. Are we, Helen? <laughs> You know, when you, when you become a pastor, you're actually going to leave the planet so you don't have to be a pastor for five minutes. Do you know what I mean? But God used that season in my life to develop my faith and to stretch me and to increase my capacity. I want to say to you Nava guys, you know, yes, you're here to do something creative with Lewis and doing the music thing and all that, but, but God might have some grind in that. God might have some serious graft. God might have a 60-hour week for you for the next 18 months, two years. 
oh, but I'm creative. Yeah, you are. But if you're going to make it in a creative world, let me tell you, it's not a night join. They, they're going to they're, they're push you. So build capacity in this season and go and work three, tw- three 12 hour shifts and do your Nava thing because it will build. You know, young people here, go and learn to graft. Because sometimes faith is in the graft. Sometimes faith gets shaped through the pain of life. Through God needing me, squashing me, pushing me to my limits. Because often I've found my biggest breakthroughs have been at the limits of who I am. You know, I'm going on holiday in three weeks. Yes. (laughs) I can't wait. (laughs) Let me tell you, I ran out of steam physically about, about two weeks ago. I literally, like, I started to Google what does, was it post-traumatic stress? I started Googling a few things. I, didn't, I couldn't come up with enough symptoms to give myself the diagnosis. I tried, but I just couldn't. But I, I physically came to my, my end of myself, and I'm like, God, I've got four or five weeks to go. God says, good, good. Now you might let me do some stuff. Maybe you'll trust me with a little bit more with faith. Maybe you'll trust me with your quiet time. Maybe you'll trust me with the things that need to get fixed around the church. Maybe you'll trust. By, you know, the pressure and the environment is towards the change in who I am. I'm on holiday in three weeks' time. But God is, do you know what I mean? I've learned something in the last five weeks that, uh, and, or reaffirmed things into me which wouldn't have come if I hadn't been under this pressure. Wisdom. Faith without wisdom is stupidity. I will say that because I'm a man of faith. Um, uh, you know, Luke 14, 20 says, 28 says, But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin constructing a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Faith, like I think, you know, I've seen so many people just take bold steps of faith, and I've done that. But they've always been through a level of calculation. They've never just been, I'm going to do, do you know what I mean? Like, if God told me to sell my house, I would sell my house, but that wouldn't happen in five minutes, because that would be a discussion that me and Helen would have, quite a long discussion, quite a very, very, very long discussion. But we would cold calculate the cost of what it would look like to not have a house and the implementations of what that. Not because we wouldn't sell our house, but because we want to know what the faith steps were involved to selling our house. And, and I, I think so often we, we get called to do a step of faith and we ignore those things. It's like when, you live in, when, you, when you've got debt in your life, you don't check your bank account, do you? <laughs> You don't know, do you? Because it just gets depressing. But I tell you, if you want God to get you out of your finance, out of your debt, you need to check your bank account. Because you need to know how much you've got to pray for. Otherwise, you're just praying and ignoring it, you know? You need to take your bank account and your account to someone like Tim, who has got a testimony, uh, and he'll, he'll preach it one day, who could say, I can help you. But you don't ignore it, you see it, and then you realize what the faith step is, and then you pray for it. You know, I work how much this is going to cost me. We had to, I've had to do that a lot on this journey. How much is this going to cost my family, me being a pastor? How much is this going to cost my kids? Are my kids still going to love God because I'm a pastor? 
because so many kids don't. I, I have to count the cost of all of it. I, you know, because if I don't count the cost, it lacks wisdom. Because when I count the costs, I adjust things in my life. Like I allow my boys to play rugby and uh, I make sure that we go on a holiday and have a month off. Do you know what I mean? I, I, so I count the cost and apply wisdom to the cost. Does that make sense? I hope I'm not rambling at you this morning. Wisdom and faith go hand in hand. Often the miracle is in our hand. Often when we are praying and asking God by faith to do something and when we apply wisdom, God says, you've already got it in your hand. When we bought this building, I was praying, God, we need, we need a financial miracle to, so we can pay the mortgage. And I was like, ah. And then Francesco from uh, Equippers Rome came and he walked through and he said, oh, it's great, Mike. You, you're not going to have any problem with your mortgage. He said, because you can rent all these offices out. Something so simple. I was like, oh, yeah. If I rent every one of those offices outstairs and get the community in here, that fulfills the vision that God's given me for the building. And it also gives me money, which means I can pay the mortgage. Done. The faith was activated. Do you know what I mean? Like the faith was buying the business, but the wisdom said it's already in your hand to provide for it. The faith thing was saying, actually, I trust what Francesco said, and that what Tan Francesco said is wise. James 1 2 to 16. My brothers and sisters, you have many kind, kinds of trouble, but this gives you reason to be very happy. You know that when your faith is tested, you learn to be patient in suffering. If you let the patience work in you, the end result will be good. You will be mature and complete. You will be all that God wants you to be. Faith sometimes is having patience. Having patience. I was talking to Shane Willard over lunch, over dinner. And um, the guy that came with him was like, he's a musician. He's like, oh, your band is amazing. They're so tight. And it's like, yeah. And, like, and Shane was like, yeah, yeah, you've come such a long way. Because Shane's been coming for like the last five years. And we were joking about the first time he came, a guy that was doing an internship with me asked to have a fight with one of his guys. And that's true. Um, he said, and he said, I looked at you and thought he's never going to build a church with that lot. And I was like, and they've all gone now. Hence, we've built a church. Um, but I was like, yeah, but we're just not big enough. I think what we do on a Sunday is amazing. It's slick. It's, you know, it's the presence of God is here, but we should be like 500 people. And I was frustrated. And he's like, just be patient. The privilege I have is I come back every year and I see the growth. You don't see it because you're living with it day to day. So just be patient. God is moving. Sometimes it's through the patience and the suffering and the ongoing thing that God is developing the capacity in you and in me to take hold of what God has for you. Because if God gave it to you now, you probably wouldn't cope. But he gave it to you after you go through a few storms. You have the capacity to cope with it. Goes on to say, "Do not do any of you. Do any of you need wisdom? Ask God for it. He's generous and enjoys giving to everyone. So he will give you wisdom. But when you ask God, you must believe. Don't doubt Him. Whatever doubt is like a wave in the sea that blows up and down by the wind. People like that are thinking two different things at the same time. They can never decide what to do. So they should not think that they will receive anything from the Lord." You know, you need to be asked for wisdom and believe that God will give wisdom. Believe that God will put people in your lives to shape who you are and to trust him. 
you know, I, I've prayed, you know, I'm not a businessman. I'm a visionary. You know, I'm, I'm already thinking about the church that Zach's going to run. It's actually no way. I'm already thinking about the worship album that, that Amber's going to release, that Jacob's going to drum on when they're in their 20s. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of where my space is. So I've had to pray and trust that God will bring people into my life that are now people. You know, like Lewis and, and, and Tim. Well, Lewis is a visionary, but, but like Tim and uh, Rich that doesn't even come to church, but Rich that shapes a lot of our negotiations around property. I have to trust that God put him in my world, even though his faith is as small as a mustard seed. His negotiation skills are like, he could sell snow to Eskimos. Like, do, you know I mean? do you know what I mean? So I have to trust that and be patient that God has put the right people in my world and not doubt that. I think sometimes we step out in faith and God sends us the right people, but we don't trust them or we doubt them or we're like, this is my vision. Let me tell you, any vision that God's given you, it's not your vision. It's God's vision that he happened to give to you to communicate. When you realize it's not your vision, it's God's vision and it's God's faith journey he's taking you on, you can bring people into it. You know, me and Chris talk an awful lot about how things and the journey. And the great thing about me and Chris is Chris, Chris has been in the church longer than I have. And he's able to bring perspective. He's not in my world. just to, He's there because God's put him there. Do you know what I mean? So I have to trust that these people are in my world to shape me. You know, because a lot of what you're not, God will put around you. And by faith, you need to claim it. You know, if you want to be a person of faith, you need to be accountable. You know, I'm accountable to the wisdom of my wife, which is frustrating because she's often right. And anybody that's married knows that's a challenge. <laughs> but she's so discerning, she'll often discern things in the spirit that I'm like, I just want to do this. And she's like, Mike, just calm down. Just slow down. Take your time. Maybe not yet. But I have to trust that God has put those things in to shape my faith steps, to shape my faith journey. I think God is looking for a group of Christians that people can, that have a genuine relationship with him, that do crazy things, but the world looks at them and says, there's something about that that's just not crazy. There's something about that that we can't deny that God's in it. I remember, um, well, Rob, my friend, he now lives in, uni in, in um, New Zealand, and um, he used to date Helen's sister. That's how I know him. And um, so we've been mates since we were like uh, 20, so not long. Um, he's not a Christian. He, he had an experience of God, but that's about it. He probably would tell you he's an atheist. Um, but there's something about mine and Helen's journey that when he looks at it, he's like, God must be real for you, Mike. And I'm like, that's great. I'm glad that you're allowed to look at my faith journey and some of the crazy things I've done and the stuff I've done and, and all you see is God. Because I don't want us to be people of faith and when they look at them and they go, oh, just another crazy Christian thing. That's another stupid... Do you know what I mean? I want people to look at our lives and be able to talk about our stories and we to explain the process and the people of wisdom that we brought into it and go, yeah, that's God. Because that's what the world's looking for. That's what young people are looking for. Young people are looking for something fresh, a new adventure, something crazy. You know, that us older people in the faith can help shape. 
you know, it's a privilege. I've met, I call him David, David. It's a privilege to me, me and Dave had a, a point down Tiny Babylon and he started to share his story with me. And it's a privilege to have you in our family, mate. Seriously. And, um, you know, I think as, you know, we get to know each other more and we get, you know, the things of faith that you're going to do are going to be crazy. You know, and, and, I, and, I, and I'm privileged that we can have an environment called Faith Church where people like David can be looking for Pokemon Go things. Like, his testament is nuts. It's kind of like Pokemon Go or whatever, and it ends up finding a church. Anyway. <laughs> but that's the generation that's wandering around our streets that needs to be connected with the people of faith. And then we need to develop and give them wisdom and structure so they can have their faith journey. Hey, thanks again for checking out Faith Church Online. We'd love it if you could subscribe to be notified when we release a new podcast. You can find out more of what's happening by going to at Faith Church Wales on social media or by heading to faithchurch.wales.